Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. So we are wrapping up our series today that is based on the book Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And some of you have been reading along in this book. And it's a book by Peter Scazzaro. And we've designed the sermons to complement a chapter each week. So it, does, it means that you don't have to read the chapter to get something out of the sermon. And this week is chapter 9, and it's called Lead Out of Weakness and Vulnerability. And what I want to talk about today is the interplay between human weakness and God's power between human weakness and God's power. God gives every human being a choice. And that choice is we can either live by our own power, which is finite and limited, or we can live by God's power, which is infinite, unlimited, And just to give you some practical ideas of what that looks like, as I'm talking and learning from people who live, um, who have aligned their lives with God in such a way that his strength is operative in them, people who are living according to God's power instead of their own, they, they discover things like this. When we live by our own power, we never have enough time. When we live by God's power, we live a life, we live a full life, but with a sense that the wind is at our back and with a sense of fullness and full engagement. In fact, in scripture when it says um, that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, the, the word for strength means fullness. You are fully there. So when we live by God's power, there's a, there, the wind seems to be at our back. We're able to be fully present with the activity and the thing that is in front of us. We're able to manage and get everything done in a day that God has given us to do that day. We're able to go to bed and have a good night's sleep because we've done the things that God has put in front of us. We're not adding to that, trying to do more than he gives us to do. Another thing is when we live by our own power, we obsess over what other people think about us. And when we live by God's power, we enjoy freedom from other people's verdicts about us. Um, Proverbs says that fear of man will prove to be a snare, but everyone who trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And I'm a people pleaser. I worry about what people think about me, but as I'm learning to abide in Christ, he's freeing me from that obsession. And that's what it is. It's an obsession. When we live by our own power, prayer feels shallow and like a waste of time. And when we live by God's power, prayer begins to flow naturally and conversationally. I actually have to ask God when I wake up in the morning to help me to pray. I have to depend on him to help me to pray. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, you cannot wait to start praying? Raise your hand. Okay, so a few of us. Most of us are not there. Most of us are not there. And if you do wake up feeling that way, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit alive and active in you. That's not your flesh, because your flesh would resist doing that. But for most of us, we have to ask for that gift that God has given a few of us naturally. 
So living according to God's power actually helps our, our prayer lives. When we live by our own power, we are fearful of what, what might happen next. And when we live by God's power, we know that whatever happens, God will make us equal to the moment. You know, we hear these amazing stories about Christians back in the days of persecution in Rome that would be, um, they would go into these gladiator arenas and they would be uh, mauled and eaten by lions, all these horrific and scary ways to die. They were killed for their faith in Christ. And we look at some of the, the written testimony about those people and, and are just amazed. And our, our temptation is to make them the hero, to be in awe of them and their courage. But it's not them who is the hero in that. It's the Spirit of God who, goes, who, who is at work with them, who goes with them into that arena and gives them courage, makes them equal to the moment. God is actually the hero even in those courageous acts. And we can trust that no matter what happens, you know, when you're not living according to God's power, you're always worried that the other shoe's gonna drop at any moment and everything's gonna go wrong in life. Some horrific tragedy that you'll never recover from could happen at any moment. That, that's, that's living in our own power, but with God's power, we know that whatever happens, he's gonna make us equal to the moment. He's gonna walk with us through all of it. In many ways, my experience as a full-time pastor can be divided into two seasons. One season is pastoring in my own power, preaching in my own power, shepherding, leading in my own power. So it's, you know, that's the first maybe 10 to 12 years of my ministry life as a pastor. So I was working really, really, really hard with all of my energy at work within me. That's called toil. In, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, um, part of the curse is that we will toil, we will work hard, and there will be resistance against our work. So it won't just, things just won't work out, no matter how hard we work. That was my first season of ministry. And then I learned what it looks like to start abiding in Christ so that it's God's energy working through me, as Paul says in Colossians 1.29. I learned that the most important thing is to abide in Christ. And as the focus is on abiding in Christ instead of activism, we talked about this, fruit happens naturally with less effort. And so one is trying to do ministry, trying to do life in our own strength, and toiling, striving, the words that the Bible uses, and not seeing a lot of Productivity, not seeing a lot of fruitfulness, feeling like you're not getting anywhere. And one is abiding, learning how to abide in Christ so that his strength and power is at work through you and things seem to work with you as you're working. You get more done with less effort. And scripture invites us over and over again to live according to God's power rather than our own. And just to make sure you know that I'm not making this up, I, we put a, a sampling of, of scripture passages in the bulletin today, and I'm just going to read through these because it's important that you know that whatever we say up here, we're not making it up, we're getting it from scripture. So I want you to see where God is inviting us to live according to his power instead of our own. Acts 1.8, but you will receive 
power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So this is Jesus hanging out with his disciples before he ascends into the skies. And he, he basically tells them, don't go anywhere. Don't go try to do ministry apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. Stay where you are. Stay in Jerusalem. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then you can go do ministry. Don't get the order reversed. Don't try to do ministry and wait for God's power as you're doing it. Wait. And the Holy Spirit will come and you receive power. Ephesians 1.19, Paul prays that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. If you are living in Christ, God's immeasurably great power is working for your benefit. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And this is, the context is talking about living with contentment in poverty and in wealth and saying God has equipped me to, to live whatever my circumstance is, to live with deep contentment because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the immediate application. But there's more of a universal application to that as well, that God really will, you really can do all things through him who strengthens you. You can handle whatever life brings you. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Colossians 1.11, Being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. God's power at work in you actually helps you not just gut through the hard things of life, but to flow through the hard things of life with patience and joy and endurance, not trying to escape the hard stuff, but living in the midst of them with great joy. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Ephesians 6, 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The invitation is there for us today. We can spend the rest of our lives living in the incredibly limited power of our own flesh, or we can live in the power, the unending, inexhaustible power of the almighty God of the universe. Let's try this as an illustration. Do you guys know those endless lap pools? Those endless lap pools that it's like maybe 15 feet. It's like a pool, it's like one lane, and there's resistance. The water is flowing this way, so you can go in there and do laps and not move. You're staying stationary because the water is flowing this way. You can just do laps forever. It's an endless lap pool. Imagine an endless lap pool right here. I want to go that way. There's an endless lap pool right here. And then there's, we've used this illustration for the kingdom before. There's this deep, wide river that's flowing that way. Just flowing at a good clip. They're right next to each other. Endless lap pool where I'm meeting resistance, 
in a deep flowing river of the kingdom where I jump in and I go that way. That's the difference between living in my own strength and living in God's strength. I can jump in here and toil and strive and work really, 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 really hard and try to make things happen in my own strength. And I'll move a little bit forward, but it's not going to be a whole lot. Or I can jump in here and go with the flow of the God of the universe who is moving, who is building his kingdom, whether we want to be a part of it or not, and jump into it and experience what life is like with God's power at our back, living in the river of his kingdom. So the question for us today is, how do we receive this power from God? What does it actually look like to get there? So I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 7 through 10. We've, we've referenced this verse, these passages, uh, these verses before, but there's something I want to draw out of them again today. And I'm going to read the entire paragraph, and then we're going to do what we typically do. We're going to break it down together. But let me just, let me just read and follow along. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's break this down. Start with verse 7 again. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations... If you remember when we talked about this before, that there, right before this passage, Paul describes this vision that he had of heaven. He, he wasn't sure if his, he was literally taken up in the spirit to see heaven, if it's a vision. He wasn't really sure how it happened, but he got a glimpse into heaven. And so he said, in order that I don't become too conceited, because how, how many people do you know got to see heaven or got to go to heaven before they died? In order to become too conceited, so I don't become too conceited, I, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. He gave me something to keep me grounded. He gave me something to keep me humble. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Paul was experiencing some form of hardship. Now, we don't, we don't know exactly what the thorn in the flesh was, because Scripture doesn't tell us. But the NIV Zondervan Study Bible gives three possible answers, and I think it is definitely one of these three things. The first thing that the Study Bible says this thorn might be is a spiritual or psychological state of anxiety or heaviness or burden. You know, Paul loved Israel. He loved his 
Jewish brethren and sisters, and he, he actually goes so far as saying in Scripture at one point, I wish I could go to hell so that all of you could go to heaven. I want so bad for you to experience the salvation of Jesus Christ, I would, say, I would trade my own salvation for you. He's got this anguish. He talks about the pain of pastoring and overseeing and planting churches and, and shepherding people, and there's just this anguish as he prays for people, as he teaches Scripture, as he tries to compel um, other people to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. So one possibility is the spiritual or psychological anxiety. Another one is opposition to his ministry or message. He faced a lot of that from his own people, um, from the Jewish brothers and sisters. Uh, he faced a lot of that from Rome. Uh, there were individuals that didn't like him. Alexander the coppersmith uh, was someone that was constantly resisting Paul's ministry and trying to create riots against him. Um, so that could have been it as well. Or third, it could have been a recurring and tormenting physical malady, which is the most probable option, this study Bible says. But all of us can relate in different ways to any one of those things. It might not be the psychological anxiety and pain of ministry. It could be something else. It might not be opposition to ministry for most of us. It might be opposition that we're facing in some other way in life. It might be some type of recurring physical ailment or pain that we have to live with. But what we're going to find is these are the very things that God wants to use to help you experience his power at work in you. Verse 8 says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So Paul's asking, relieve me of this. Take this away. Remove this from my life. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. By the way, who else prayed that God would remove something, some source of pain and suffering in their life three times? Anybody, else, anybody remember who else prayed three times that God would remove something? It was Jesus in Gethsemane. In Paul's situation, the answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. And what he's talking about is, not, you have to do all sorts of gymnastics in the original language to, to say, that means that he lifted the burden. He actually rescued him. He healed him in that moment. That You have to go so far. To, you have to do all sorts of manipulation with words and concepts and ideas and, to get there. What he was actually saying was, my grace is is sufficient to help you endure the struggle, the pain, the suffering, the thorn. My grace is sufficient to see you through it. At the top of this sermon here today, and at the top of every sermon, there's two verses that I read before I come up here. One of those verses is 2 Corinthians 9.8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's what God's grace looks like. It helps us to abound in every good work through our weaknesses, through our vulnerabilities. If I came up to the pulpit 
in my own strength, without God's grace abounding to me, you know, you know this, I wouldn't be able to do this. I wouldn't be able to talk in front of you guys. If I could, it wouldn't be effective spiritually. And maybe I'd be able to organize some stories to really captivate you and capture your attention, but it would accomplish nothing spiritually. And God and I have made a deal in this last four years that as he's transitioning me from quit trying to keep their attention and obsessing over that and say what's true and say it clearly and allow my spirit to yield fruit that you might not get to see right away. That's preaching with God's power instead of my own fleshly ways. But you're invited to do that in whatever you're facing in life as well. God will make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Whatever that looks like, his power will come through as you learn to depend on him through your weaknesses. He goes on to say, so verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You can underline that part, that whole, just verse 9. But he said to me, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's interesting turn of phrase that um, the original language uses. This is another one of those areas where the original language actually helps us. It says something a little bit different than what we see here translated. What it says in Greek is that the power of Christ should be tabernacling over me. That's an interesting phrase, that the power of Christ should be tabernacling over me. What's the tabernacle? The tabernacle is when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they had a makeshift temple that they would set up that they could take down and take it with them when God told them to go somewhere else in the wilderness. And the, ta the tabernacle is where the Shekinah glory of God would come and reside. The Shekinah glory of God is like this radiant cloud this radiant dynamic cloud representing the presence of God. And so the Israelites would walk around the wilderness, set up the tabernacle, and this radiant presence of God in the form of a cloud would descend and rest on the tabernacle. That's what the original Greek is saying here, so that the power of God, the power of Christ might tabernacle over you. When Jesus ascended into the air in Acts 1, it says he was hidden behind a cloud. That cloud represents the Shekinah glory of God. It was showing the disciples, I am being swept up into the glory of God. I am actually identifying myself as the glory of God. I am God. They would have recognized that. Uh, R.C. Sproul says it's the Shekinah glory of God that blinded Paul on the road to Emmaus. This bright cloud, this bright appearance that blinded him. The Shekinah glory of God, that very presence, very real and powerful presence of God, tabernacles over you, is what the original language is saying. Christ's power rests on you as you depend on him, as you experience these weaknesses. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ then, 
I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What I want you to see is that whatever that is for you, whatever type of pain or suffering you're experiencing, that is, that is the very thing. Whatever it looks like for you, that is the very thing that God wants to use as a way for you to receive more of his power in your life. That is the very thing. God allows those things to happen to you for a purpose, for his purpose. Notice in verse 7 says that this thorn was given to Paul by God. It was given to him first so that he wouldn't become too conceited about this vision that he saw, but the main reason is because God wanted to teach Paul and us through Paul that his power is manifested in our weaknesses. The school of training for God's power are listed right there in verse 10. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. If that's the case, if that's the case, then maybe praying that God would remove difficult things from our lives is the wrong prayer. Maybe the better prayer is, God, how would you like to use this weakness? I offer it up to you. Help me through this. In other words, the, the shift moves our prayers from, God, make my life easier to, God, make me equal to this moment, equal to this hardship, equal to this calamity. Strengthen me so that I actually become the type of person that can handle these things. So I want to invite you, each of you, right now, um, we're going to just do an exercise where if you don't want to follow along and do this, that's okay. But if you would like to bring something to God right now on your own, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if I could just have everybody just close your eyes and Bow your heads. Close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want you to have a private conversation with God. I want you to bring to mind a thorn in the flesh that God has allowed in your life. Bring to mind something that he's allowed that is causing pain or suffering, maybe it's a physical weakness, maybe it's a painful relationship, maybe it's something you have to do with at work or a, a dynamic at work or a dynamic at school that's difficult. What is it that God has allowed into your life that is causing you pain? Now as you keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I want you to Take a moment to pray and ask God if it's possible to remove this, to change this, to fix this. You are allowed to pray that. Paul prayed that. Jesus prayed that. So that's okay. If it's possible, 
fix this, heal this, remove this. Now God often chooses not to remove the things causing us pain, but will instead invite us to depend on his his grace to get through it. So now that you've thought of what this thing is that's causing suffering, and now that you've asked God to graciously remove it, I want us to follow the example of Jesus and Paul and move towards becoming able to handle it because of his grace and his help. So I invite you with your eyes closed still to just repeat under your breath quietly in your own heart You can repeat after me if you want to invite God to work in you through this thorn. You can say, God, if you choose not to remove this from my life, if you choose not to fix this situation, I trust that your grace will be sufficient for me. I trust that your power is made perfect in my weakness. Because of your spirit living in me, when I am weak, then I am strong. Rather than making my life easier by fixing this situation, Use it to make me more like Christ. To make me more dependent upon you. Help me through it to remain gracious and kind, gentle and humble. because of my dependence on Christ and because his power at work in me. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.